Right, here we go. All What's right. up, everyone? My name's Lachlan Perry. Welcome to Author on Author Interviews. Today, I'm joined by Matthew Salinas, an indie author from Illinois, currently working on a continuing anthology horror series, short stories, and poetry. Today, I'll be talking with Matthew about his work and also about what path led him to being a writer. As always, if you guys enjoy this video, don't forget to like and subscribe. Also, if you'd like to find out more about Matthew and these videos, you can find our social media details below. Um, but, but without further ado, I'd like to welcome Matthew Salinas. Thank you very much for joining me, Matthew. Hey, thanks very much for having me. Awesome. So um, just before I jump into talking about your books, um, I would like to ask a couple of questions about you as an author. Um, to start off with, um, how old are you and when were you first inspired to become a writer? So currently I am 28. Uh, I think the first time that I really felt inspired to start writing was around uh, fifth grade. I had always been an avid reader as a child and growing up and I figured I'd, uh, I'd try my hand at, you know, seeing what I could do. And then throughout my younger school years up into uh, high school where I had a uh, creative writing teacher who really, really kind of pushed me and inspired me to, you know, think that it was something worthwhile and to continue yeah. pursuing it. And that, that kind of really kickstarted the whole process of me really getting into writing short stories, poetry, things along the lines of that. Yeah. And Unfortunately, I found in my, my college years, I, uh, I kind of shied away from it a little bit due to everything that was going on in my life. But mm. then when I uh, ultimately ended up meeting my, at the time, girlfriend, now my wife, uh, she, she really kind of pushed and inspired me to really get back to it. And ever since then, I've just been taking every opportunity I can to, you know, just sit down and write whatever comes to me. That's great. So um, tell us a little bit about your background. Did you grow up in Illinois? Yeah, yeah, I, I'm a native of Illinois. Uh, I was originally born in downtown Chicago, and then my family moved out to the uh, suburbs. It's, uh, it's an interesting place to live. It's, it's yeah. got kind of like a strange combination between the uh, rural and urban setting, but Mm, yeah. One of the things I do really kind of appreciate is the uh, the four seasons we get out here and being able to kind of see the change of everything. I feel like that really lends itself to uh, a lot of the writing that I do. Yeah, yeah. Um, so ha as your um, writing has progressed, as you've gotten older, um, how have your how's your mindset changed towards writing? Have you ever started a novel and then decided to drop it in pursuit of another idea? Yeah, I, I have a, uh, a whole briefcase full of pretty much what I consider to be dead ideas. Yeah. Very similar to like the uh, R.L. Stein goosebumps kind of thing. I, I When I was younger, I figured I'd just start writing stuff, throw it in a briefcase. And for whatever reason, I thought the visual imagery of that was really cool. But mm. I, I find that a lot of times you, you start writing something and you either think, well, this isn't going well, or, you know, I'm not as good of a writer as I need to be to really make this work currently at the time. And it kind of takes a lot of, I guess, decision and judgment on your part to be able to know when to set something down and maybe try to pursue a different avenue. Yeah. I mean, it's always in my mind, all right, to try to come back to things, but at a certain point, some things kind of are best left, you know, I think just as creative ideas for now. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you totally. 
Um, so have you done something during your writing career that um, has consider considerably developed your writing? Um, for example, have you done any like courses um, that you found particularly useful in honing your craft? I'd actually have to say that the most, uh, I guess, fulfilling thing that I've recently done is I was just kind of strolling through Twitter one day and I found out about this thing called microfiction from, uh, I believe it was Fairfield Scribes. And there's people out there writing, you know, stories with just a hundred words. And to me, I thought, well, you know, I know I have more of a problem to sort of ramble on. I write a lot. It's very, you know, expanded. Mm -hmm. So I sat down with the mindset one day of, well, what if I did 100, 100 word short stories? Mm -hmm. And I feel like that really kind of helped me overcome using any extraneous words or extra things that, you know, I was saying mm -hmm. that were either repetitive or redundant mm -hmm. or that I didn't need to use. Yeah. And I feel like ever since I've gone through that process, the concision and the voice of my writing has definitely gotten better. Yeah, that's awesome. So um, I know you're writing a um, horror series or a continuing anthology series of horror books. Um, was there a particular event in your life that inspired you to write um, horror books? Uh, yeah, actually, and it's, it's not what you might think. So I was, uh, I was substitute teaching at a school for a little while. Oh, and th there was a student who I, I really vibed with, or I guess, you know, really saw me as a good positive role model. And mm. one day around Halloween, they came out to me while I was, you know, watching over recess. And they gave me I still have it hung up on the wall over here is kind of an inspirational thing, uh, a little ghost they made. Yeah. And it has a cardboard thing at the bottom that when you pull down, it has big, scary teeth, as the kid described them. And it's a good ghost that eats the other bad ghosts to keep me safe in my apartment. Yeah. And I remember just thinking, hmm, that that's kind of an interesting idea for a story. Mm. So I started penning that out. And then I thought, well, you know, that's one. I wonder what else I could get out of this. And I kind of let that expand out further. Yeah. And then I figured, well, you know, what would be a great setting for that? So I kind of went back to the hometown I grew up in. Mm. And again, it's kind of had that little bit of that urban, but rural, you know, Midwestern Americana yeah. feel. And yeah. it, 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 it just came so naturally to me that I was like, you know, I could definitely see this going on and on for a while. So um, I'm just thinking about other horror writers like Stephen King. He always sets his books, well, normally in Maine, um, like in that sort of foresty sort of village area. Um, do you like to focus on a particular setting or theme in your horror books? So as far as setting, yeah, I really kind of like to stick with that. Uh, like, I, like, I guess the best way that I could describe it is that mishmash of the rural and urban kind of Americana yeah. feel, you know, like a, darker I guess Norman Rockwell perception of what life in the suburbs is really like yeah and I guess thematically just going with because I feel that horror just as a genre is so subjective yeah because you know there's certain things that people are afraid of and aren't like for me I'm terrified of the ocean for whole other yeah. reasons and bunch of backstories behind that but I I feel that you can constantly change up whatever is going on in the narrative 
have characters deal with different conflicts and things. Mm. And to somebody out there, that's going to be, you know, what really permeates with them, what really grabs them, what's really scary to them. Yeah. So I feel that that's kind of the appeal of what kind of draws me in. And so, like, I guess I was saying thematically, there's really just so many different things I try to hit on the head, but I feel a big deal of them is just kind of the secluded isolationism feeling that goes with growing up in that suburban area because you know everybody really well in your town you know what's going on but outside the boundaries of that the world is so much bigger so much more expanded Mm. that it's almost like whatever happens in this little town happens in this little town and nobody else is going to be any none the wiser of what exactly happened yeah 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 and that's a really great story well great setting for a lot of um horror books that i can think of like it um where they're all sort of they're in like one town and you have like so many backstories to it um but yeah i love those types of books i'll have to read one of your books um one day um so getting on to my next question how do you manage um writing with everything going on in your everyday life um and do you write sort of in the early morning or late at night so i used to do a lot more morning writing but then i uh I was off of work due to the whole COVID situation. And during that, I really capitalized on just being able to sit down behind, you know, a a notebook or a keyboard and just crank stuff out all day. Mm. Now I find that, you know, during uh, break periods at work, sometimes lunch, things like that. I even, uh, usually when I take lunch, I'll just head out to my car and sometimes I'll sit in there eating a sandwich or something and I'll have my notebook and a pen and I'll just write down quick ideas and things I think of or conversations that I have with people. Mm. And then usually at night I have the opportunity to actually, you know, be able to sit down for, you know, at this point I'm glad if I can get like a half hour to an hour worth of just being able to write things down. Yeah. But then also too, I, uh, I don't have the easiest time falling asleep at night usually. So even if I'm up into the wee hours of the night, you know, I, uh, I really just try to keep it moving along and capitalize on it, I guess. Yeah. So this is my final author related question. It's a bit different. Um, if you could do something as a teenager or young adult to become a better writer, what would you do? I feel like one of the things I really could have done and kind of wish I had done more would be traveling. Yeah, because I feel that like I was explaining with the the setting of growing up in that small town and, you know, everything kind of happens in the borders of it. Mm. There are so many other foreign concepts, different things, different ideas, different cultures that I would love to be able to go out, experience and be able to draw from all of those things to, I guess, make not only my characters and stories more well-rounded, but myself included. Yeah. That's a really good um, concept. Um, I haven't talked to an author yet who's brought that up. That's a really um, great concept. And I'm, I'm, I'm the same. I wish I had done that. And I still want to do that. It's just overcoming COVID and everything at the moment. Oh, no. We'll, we'll do <laughs> it then. <laughs> All right. So awesome. Getting onto your books now and your poetry. Um, when and where were you inspired to write your first published work? So my first published work was the collection of poetry that I did. And for the longest time, I had just been writing down poetry in a little notebook. Mm. And it dawned on me that 
if I thematically told a story through a bunch of different poems, kind of similar akin to, but I at least can humbly say, I don't think anywhere near as good as the Canterbury Tales, being able to just sort of construct and have a narrative move along like that. I felt that I should just go for it. And so really I sat there and I cranked out close to about like 90 poems split it up into two what I felt were separate but equally important thematic sections sort of the beginning and the end and I really just kind of let my imagination roll with that and just you know I was going through a lot of hard difficult personal times at that point Mm -hmm. so I really just sort of used it as a catharsis more than anything to kind of just get through what was going on in my life yeah yeah that's great so nowadays, do you um, still do the same thing? Do you sort of sit down and just let it rip? Or do you like to sort of plan out things? As far as the um, poetry and short stories go, a lot of that is just sitting down with a general idea and just letting it rip. Yeah. But for things like my horror anthology and stuff like that, I like to be a little bit more meticulous. I'll sit down, I'll draw out an actual map of the setting And I'll label things, you know, numerically, chronologically, and I'll go through, you know, this character's over here, these people are over here, Mm. either why do they or don't they interact, how are the stories intertwined, you know, and then what time of day is this occurring, what time of day is this occurring, seeing if everything just runs in a solid continuity, if it doesn't, having to go back and, you know, rehash and fix things. Mm. Uh, A great thing about that also too is is my wife is very very good at being blunt and honest with me and just being able to read something and be like that doesn't work because earlier here you said this thing and now this makes no sense or you know putting it very nicely to be able to just be like listen i read this story and i don't know what's going on yeah (laughs) and and so i'm i'm very grateful that you know she's Willing to be earnest, I guess, would be the best way to, to, to phrase that. So um, were there any um, writers or artists or artists that you looked to while writing for um, inspiration? So one of the big inspirations that I had growing up, even into now, was uh, Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah. I always thought that just his American Gothic style and just the way that he wrote was so powerful and to me captivating. Mm. I actually recently wrote a uh, short story. It was called the traveler's tale, the mask of death. It was my homage to the uh, mask of the red death that he wrote about tuberculosis that, you know, in modern times, I was like, this would be a perfect kind of uh, structure for a story about COVID-19. So I wrote that. Yeah. And, you know, just one night sitting there, just having a, having a ball with it. And I thought, well, you know, we'll see what happens. And I submitted it to uh, Quill and Crow Publications and Jazz House Publications because they had an American Gothic horror anthology that they were looking for stories for, for this Halloween. And weeks went by, I had forgotten about it. And then I got an email one day that said my story had been chosen. And to me, that was just like that that just put me over the moon. Yeah. I was like, not only did I get to write an homage to somebody who really inspired me, but they liked it enough to, you know, 
move it forward. Yeah, that's amazing. So um, tell me a little bit about your themes in that book. Um, uh, and this can be in other books as well, but what type of um, feelings do you like to evoke from your writing? Uh, a lot of the feelings that I like to incorporate are the senses of just being either alone or isolated, even in situations where you're with other people. Mm. I feel like that's something that society kind of really has a stigma about or doesn't really understand in that, you know, some people are social creatures. Some people are a little bit more secluded, mm. but not everybody's affected the same way by it. People take things differently. Mm. Um, another thing that I really like to look at is the progression of people and characters over time, because, you know, even oversimplifying it, who you are or were yesterday isn't who you are today. And I feel like there's nothing more powerful than being able to move forward and have a character be like, you know, that's who I was, but that's not who I am anymore. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's, at least at this point in my life, very self-reflective too, because I feel over the past decade, my life has especially been very, you know, changing mm -hmm. and I'd say all for the better, but mm -hmm. I, I just really feel that as far as character development and story narratives and everything else goes, there's, you know, at a certain point, the status quo no longer has to be the status quo. Things have to change. Things have to progress. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, so in terms of feedback that you've been getting from your audience, have you had any people that, have, um, that you've sort of been showing excerpts from your books to to get feedback from? And have you been showing people um, parts of your stories um, or something like that. And that's have really sort of grabbed their attention. There, there's been a few people. Um, originally, when I first started doing stuff, one of the people that I like to share stuff with was my mom, but yeah. she was nice enough to just be like, listen, I, I'm not big on reading. I don't understand a lot of this, especially <laughs> with poetry and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, all right, I gotta, I gotta move on to other outlets here. Uh, as I mentioned before, my wife, you know, she is very, very supportive and she'll always sit down and read something. And like I said, she will very bluntly let me know, you know, yes, I think this is good or no, I think you need to go back to the drawing board. Mm. Um, and then outside of that, the, uh, the writing community on Twitter actually has also been very, very advantageous. There's been so many people that I can just run ideas by, or I can ask them to beta read things for me. Yeah. And again, the people are just, they're very good about their constructive criticism. I don't feel like anybody is just out there to put you down. I feel like yeah. if anything, a lot of the people that I've worked and collaborated with and talked to are very good on just, you know, they understand you're a writer. Writing it in and of itself really puts you in a vulnerable state. And I feel like, you know, it's, it's hard to be that way, especially with strangers or people you only know over social media, mm. but it, everybody I feel does a wonderful job of that. Mm. And so mm. it's, yeah, it, it, it's, it's been good to say the least. Yeah, yeah I totally agree. Um, so I know from experience that writers all go through a period of self-doubt. How have you continued on writing um, despite feelings of self-doubt? So that, that is very true. There are many days where sometimes I just wake up and I think, you know, maybe I need to stop writing. Maybe, maybe none of this is good enough. What, yeah. What's my end game here? Mm -hmm. And I actually, I watched a really, really interesting interview the other day with the, well, about the musician Tom Waits. And they asked him, you know, what were his thoughts on achievement 
and things like that. And he said, as an artist, the easiest thing to do is to just go out, do your craft, do what makes you happy. And at the end of the day, you just have to be satisfied with that. Mm. Because if you don't have worth or feeling or involvement or investment in your own work, you can't expect other people to. But at the same time, people are under no obligation, friends, family, strangers, to sit there and praise you for your work or like it if they don't. Mm. You know, art's a very subjective thing. Yeah. People are either going to like it, be indifferent about it, or hate it. Yeah. And that's just something that, you know, it. to me, it, it's a very humbling thought to have, mm. but at the same time, you know, inspiring because it's very mm. true. Mm. You You go out. And you do what you love, you write about what you love. And at the end of the day, when you put the pen down or you close your laptop, you know, you, you got to find solace in knowing that that's, that's what this is all about. Yeah, that's awesome, Matthew. So um, what do you want people to take away from your books? I've, I know you sort of answered this before, but um, we'll just touch on it a little bit again. Um, and how do you want them to feel at the end of your stories? So I feel that a lot of the things that I write are pretty open-ended as far as, you know, what people are going to get from it. I would hope that if anything, people start to question things, they start to think more about themselves more reflectively. Mm. Um, I would honestly feel absolutely honored if at some point anybody read something I wrote and it inspired them to kind of pick up a pen or, you know, a paintbrush or Mm. a camera or a musical instrument or anything and use, you know, that as sort of an inspiration for their own creative outlet. But outside of, you know, obviously wanting people to be engaged and entertained, I really just want people to be able to find a piece of themselves or something that means anything to them in what I write and kind of latch onto that mm. and just, you know, let it run its course. So mm-hmm. to someone that might just be, you know, having a laugh at something I wrote that they thought was humorous, or like I was just saying, you know, that might be somebody, you know, looking at something and thinking, well, you know, it's been a while since I've, you know, written or created or done anything creative. Maybe I should give it a try again. Mm. That's great. So um, in terms of feedback that you've been getting from your audiences so far, um, what type of feedback have you been getting? And has there been a certain audience um, that have really loved your books? Um, There's been a lot of good feedback for the most part. Mm. Uh, Something that kind of really surprised me was, again, on Twitter, I had a lot of people from India who were really, really getting into and vibing with my poetry and I thought mm-hmm. okay well all right that's to me I would I was you know very uh humbled and I guess honored by that because I thought that was super cool mm-hmm. and then I've had a lot of people who you know really really liked the horror stuff I wrote uh just reading some of the reviews and things that people had to say you know kind of it, it makes you feel warm and fuzzy inside yeah. despite you know the uh, subject matter yeah. but there and then you know it's I guess too just the fact that generally speaking the, the reviews that I ever receive or get from people are from genuine strangers who I've never met who only know me through you know reading what I've written on a page mm-hmm. I think there's something you know really really awe-inspiring to have somebody actually like something that I've done 
because to me in my in my mindset i'm still just like a little fifth grader out there just you know writing at a piece of paper just like you know well i hope this is good enough to maybe stick on the fridge or something but here i go yeah totally so um now that we've gone over your books um you've got to tell us are you planning on on releasing a new book sometime soon and if so could you give us a little bit of insight into this book so I actually have a, have a lot going on with that right now. I recently finished writing a young adult novel that has a similar setting kind of to the uh, Mr. Salinas's Seven Scary Stories. Mm. That one is a little bit of a combination of a coming of age tale with a little bit of uh, fantastical horror mixed in there all based off of a uh, really weird and creepy statue that we have over in the town that I live at that kind of inspired me to write that story. Yeah, That one um, I'm working on finding a publisher for hopefully in the near future. And I would love to see that get out there. Um, if not, I'm just going to have to sit down and do the brunt of the work of editing and all that and mm-hmm. just put it out there. I did write the uh, continuation to the horror anthology series. The next one is Mr. Salinas's 13 scary stories. So I wrote the part two of the original seven, and then I tacked on six more stories. But I, in this one, really, really had to sit down, and it took a lot of time. I made all the narratives chronologically run as part of a bigger plot that sort of unfolds as the novel goes on and on. And then by the end of that book, I feel it wraps up all the loose ends, Mm -hmm. but then it leaves you on a really good cliffhanger. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. We got to do another year to, to go over these books, Matthew. No, um, I, I would, I would love to do that. Um, but yeah, this has been um, awesome. Um, and I'd love for you to um, share with people how they can get in contact with you and get a hands-on copy of your books that are already out there. So uh, on social media, on uh, Twitter, I'm at author Salinas. Uh, it's spelled, you know, just my regular last name, author, and then S-A-L-I-N-A-S. That's a great place to find me. I'm also on Facebook. I tried going on TikTok, but that is so far beyond me and my comprehension that there's, there's not too much on there. And I feel like, you know, I might, I might have failed on that. On, but <laughs> Outside of that, I also have a, uh, just an Amazon Author Central page again, too. You could just look up Matthew Salinas and uh, you'll, you'll find me on there. And all my uh, different works, both in the uh, Kindle ebook and uh, paperback versions. Well, Matthew, this conversation has been awesome. Thanks so much for joining me today. Um, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. Um, for everyone watching this video, if you haven't already, remember to check out Matthew's social media links below. Um, also, if you'd like to meet other awesome writers and hear about their journeys, don't forget to subscribe to this channel. Thanks heaps, guys. I hope to catch up with you soon. And um, I'll catch you soon, Matthew. Thank you very much. Catch ya.